0: From the banks of Dewey Lake. It's the Dewey Pod Monster.
1: All right, welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. Of course, it is the season of The Witch or so, something like that so we've been talking a lot of horror movies lately and that's going to keep on going with me as always as the host of the dewey pod monster podcast he's probably pissed off because we were supposed to record this on the way down to smackdown but i didn't know how to work my phone right so that got screwed up so you can blame john for that but his name's sean sean how are you doing we were going to have such a great time
0: At Smacktown, Smacktown, at (laughs) Smacktown, we're gonna be shooting smack at Smacktown. We're gonna have such a good time at Smackdown. But alas, we're not even a minute into this episode. We're already halfway off the rails. Halfway, yeah, halfway. So, what else is new? Not much. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah, moving along with the uh, plans for the surgery. So, yeah, got that. That's moving. I don't have a date, but you know, talking about it. Well.
1: I guess you got to talk about it before you talk it, then, like, be it, man. Right?
0: Yeah. Talk the talk to walk the walk or something along those
1: lines. If it makes you feel better, I screwed up my back yesterday carrying trash out of my basement.
0: Nice. Yeah, that may, That does make me feel better.
1: <laughs> Empathy pain or something like that? Empathy, sympathy. Yeah. Any kind of pain. That's cool. I'm good with that. Well, it's uh, it's been a rough day, but I'm surviving. I'm going the opposite route instead of uh, professional medication. I'm doing the self-medication route, so yeah sometimes it's almost better that way well if it's still bad after a couple of days maybe we'll think about something more professional but for a day i think i can handle with the uh self-induced pharmacology yeah we'll see like if that. it springs back right now what you've been watching this week i'm keeping up since we didn't
0: get the smackdown or to smackdown i did watch the wwe biography of edge which i think i was thinking about this when in 20 years I'm gonna have. I'm not going to be able to watch these because I'm not going to know who any of these wrestlers are. Because I stopped watching wrestling around, I don't know, 2000. So Edge is almost even too new for me. He's like, I think he started in 96 or something like professionally. And that was about towards the end of when I was watching it. They keep putting these people in the Hall of Fame. I don't know who I'm going to keep watching. But watch that. Watch the next episode of Dark Side of Comedy on Vice, which this week was Andrew Dice Clay. I actually just watched that today.
1: What's your opinion on, on the dice man? I I'm not I was I never think we really talked about him before, haven't we? I don't think so. I, I don't think we did. We may have. I, I think mean. he was on a show that I was watching.
0: Oh um, yeah, that sounds familiar. I wasn't really a fan of the comedy at the time when it was on because I was pretty young. I think it was late eighties or so. So I was still pretty young for comedy. I know I had friends that were really into it, but we were twelve and I think that they just were into it because it was he's he said the bad words or whatever. Right. So it was controversial, but I don't, other than that, he kind of disappeared. And when he disappeared, I really didn't have any, any real opinion out of him either way, because I, I didn't have enough exposure to him.
1: Yeah. I've never really been a big fan of his comedy from what I've seen. I, I obviously, when he was big in the eighties, I knew of him, but when he was around, like as a active, I guess he's still active. I thought I saw somewhere that he's coming to town like soon. But when he was a popular comedian, I guess, or in his heyday, whatever, I was way too young to really be more aware of him than seeing maybe like a commercial or something like that that was advertising him being there. I think I kind of remember him being parodied on like either Looney Tunes or something along like some kids' cartoon show. Like they did a really G rated version of him in it. Mm,
0: but I could see maybe Animaniacs or something if you watch that.
1: Yeah. That might have been it, but his humor never really worked for me. I do like him as an actor when, oh, that's what it was. He was in uh, that Ham and Tommy show. Mm. He was like the the mobster or whatever that, that sells the porn. He's good at, He's been good as that, but him and his Dice character, because I'm pretty sure, I hope that's a character, not just his actual persona, doesn't do anything for me.
0: Yeah, they got into that in this Vice thing. They, they got into mm. how it was a character and his controversies and you know all that good stuff all the stuff that you would expect for them to cover the thing so I'm I've become a bit of a student of all these dark side shows that Vice does it started with dark side (laughs) of the ring they went on to dark side of the 90s which I really enjoy I think that's a really good kind of topic or a subject that there's a lot of things that they could talk about they went to dark side of football which I think I told you about last week or a couple weeks ago I've only watched like an episode of that so I really haven't I can't I can't make commentary on how that is yet, but it, that just seems like they're going to run out of topics. I, I just don't. Like, yeah. The, the second episode's like about Bill Belichick, like the dark side of Bill Belichick or something like, I really? I mean, is this... I think
1: Bill Belichick is the dark side.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's hiding too much. And then with this dark side of comedy. So the wrestling one, they always show... I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you have, right? I've seen a... I haven't seen them all, but I've
1: seen a bunch of them. Y- you know enough about it to say... This yeah, is what it, when they were doing the, like, Guatemalan, like, backstreet wrestling and stuff, or weird random ones like that, I, I kind of lost interest in those, because I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on the in Guatemalan this. Guatemalan backstreet wrestling.
0: <laughs> we need to do like an that.
1: episode <laughs> of this show about that. But So they,
0: they film everything. Sounds in, like something we would do. Yeah, they, they film everything in silhouette, or slightly out of focus, you can't ever see anybody's face. They look like reasonable facsimiles of the people they're supposed to be representing. Then with Dark Side of the 90s, they show a lot of, because it's the 90s, they have a lot of footage, but they do, they they put in these little reenactments and whatnot. And on this comedy one, they don't blur the, the people at all. So if they don't look like mm. the people, I mean, they they look similar, I guess, but like the dice, the guy that they got to play dice doesn't really look like him. His hair is kind of similar, but he's leaner. The Chris like Farley they just went around the office and said, like, you look yeah, like that, that. Yeah, that, would do. that could pass. And the Chris Farley one is all the people from SNL that they have representing the real people from SNL look nothing like it. So it's really laughable. But
1: yeah, so I, Chris I just rocks a white guy all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> Almost. I mean, not quite that severe, but yeah, they just don't. It doesn't. It, it, it's just I think they're kind of grasping at things because Dark Side of the Ring was so popular. I'm sure Dark Side of the 90s does pretty good for their network. I don't know how football did. Probably not super great. But it's funny to see the evolution of how this is going for them.
1: I would think football would still be at a point where the stories that you would want to hear, they're not quite at the point where they're able to talk about yet because you'd want to hear about the CTE stuff. And I don't know, maybe this is on there, but like some of the dicta stories and, and stuff like that. And it just seems like football is so like what's their protect the shield and all that shit that they always do. I feel like they would just stop any, like, really negative story from coming out unless it didn't involve in any way, shape, or form American football or the NFL.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to see the Ray Rice story anytime soon. They're so protective of the workings of how things go, like suspensions and people that have gotten into trouble. They try to cover that up so much. So, yeah, I I think that you're just going to get the really popular stories the thing about this andrew dice clay thing that i found really interesting is they had the wtf with mark Marin interview they had pieces of that in it they had pieces of they covered they really talked a lot about nora dunn refusing to do snl when he was on with Sinead o'connor who just who refused to perform and they really get into that and they spend i would say at least a third of the episode talking about nora dunn it's like hmm. why don't they just have their own nora dunn episode it's just it's interesting, but yeah. Other than that, I, I don't really. There wasn't anything really new or noteworthy that I've been. I've been kind of peeping on. How about you?
1: I watch some football stuff too. I've, I'm i caught up on Hard Knocks. Oh which, yeah. Yep. I don't know if you're caught up on I that am. or not. Is it just me or does it seem like they're really not focusing in? Like, it seems like I remember Hard Knocks from being like a really good like behind the scenes show, but there was always a lot of like heartbreak and seeing guys like dreams crushed and people just like having their lives kind of railroaded and ruined by like getting cut from the lions railroaded. Uh, yeah.
0: You know, I do think that it's a little different. I think this week because they haven't done any cuts on the show yet. I think with this yeah. next episode, they'll be doing cuts, but I, That's I, I, I like five and I get, I do kind of get that vibe that they're not, it's not been the same as it's been in years past. Like it's, it doesn't seem like they're they,
1: spending so much time on the coaches. Yeah, as exactly. The as the
0: players. Yeah, usually they go so much in the personalities of the players And this. They have focused on a couple people like Jamal Williams. They talk to a lot like DeAndre Swift. They have not even shown s- since week one, like the first week I of think the show. Aside
1: from I think aside from him walking around like in the facility here and there, I don't think I've seen Hawkinson at all. Oh, yeah. He was on like the first on
0: no, the second episode where
1: yeah, Campbell's yeah, talking yeah, like about a shorts. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But aside from that, I don't think I've seen him. I mean, you see him like a little bit, again, wandering around the background or something, but you're not getting to know him or anything like that. Yeah. So. It's
0: totally, totally big time focusing in on Aiden Hutchinson, which, I mean, he was a first rounder, right? What? Second pick overall. Sure. So that makes sense. And local kid yeah. and all that. Yeah. He's so. got enough local interest.
1: and But no Jared sure. Goff, which I'm sure you're happy about. I'm fine with that. He's fucking goober so i'm fine with that but he's also been on that show twice i think already they probably look at it and say do we really need to have another season with jared goff being the focal point of the show yeah yeah i'd agree but on the other hand they decide to go to Detroit to do it where they would have known jared goff was there so well i don't know if you've heard why they picked detroit i would assume it's because of the coaching staff because they seem to really like the coaching staff well i guess and i can't bl- i mean they're very watchable, for lack of better wording. Like they're the one thing true. True, Hard Knocks does really well. Is it does make you kind of like, yeah, I, I really do want to like root for this team. And I, I'm still watching it with like wine glasses on, saying you're still going to be like four and thirteen. How many games are there? seventeen games? Yeah, so four and thirteen or five and twelve. What well, you're going to suck. There's a reason why like no one knows any of these guys that you're focusing on. is because you have no really good players, but. It's still an, an entertaining show. It's an engaging show. It kind of makes you want to go do some, well, maybe do, like, light exercise as opposed to, like, hard exercise in the, the heat. As opposed you to know? some hard knocks.
0: Right. But. So what they said is they, they have these rules about hard knocks, like, who they will film. And I think it's like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't be on, the team can't be on if they've been on in the last so many years. They have to have, like. Can't have a new coach. I think, yeah, you can't have a new coach. I think you can't have just won the Super Bowl. There's, like, all these different stipulations, and all the stipulations mm. wrapped together, there were three teams to pick from. And the yeah. Lions were like, yeah, please, have a do this. Like, come and film us. It's been it's been entertaining. Mm. I mean, it's great because of their hometown team for us, but it sure. also sheds a light on some of these guys, and they do make them. They, they have a really good knack. Hard, Knock, Hard Knocks has a really good knack of making teams that may not be competitive at all or just maybe be on the brink of being competitive be compelling like when they did the Bengals. the Bengals were probably a little they bit they
1: were like 6 and 10 that year or something yeah, like that like they were getting very towards good. the bubble
0: and they had good players though mm-hmm. they were just starting to get some good players and and some yeah. of those players still stick around which is really weird but that was a long time ago it
1: feels like yeah definitely i don't know. i after the the current season like Past seasons tend to blend together for me on that show, but it's still one of those. It makes you feel kind of like the seasons like changing. It, it's almost like a good lead into the Halloween season for me. I enjoy that one. Then I caught some. There's some Tom Sweeney documentary on Tubi, which it's only like an hour and a half long, but with the ads, it came out to like two hours long. But that's it's a lot of Tom Sweeney talking about Tom Sweeney, but mildly interesting. I would like to see it be more of like a let's just break down how you did x effect and kind of show the 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 magic behind it but it's a lot of like well i was this kind of kid and my dad was a hard-working guy and then he died and you know i was an adult then and oh yeah i went to nam and it's like that's interesting and i'm I'm glad that town Sweeney's had this story life and seems happy now but i don't know if i needed to spend a whole hour and a half watching that yeah i would think it would be more entertaining if
0: you see how some of the movies that he's done, some of the effects, stuff like, like you said. But I think that they also, I don't know, they want to probably try and humanize him a little bit.
1: Well, and they did. And they do show a little bit of some of the effects. Like there's obviously like him working with Romero is like a huge part of it. And then they make a big deal out of, oh, uh, what's the, can't think of his name now. The monster that he doesn't creep show, Fluffy. They make a big deal out of that because he was trying to go away from just spraying blood all over the place and wanted to make a giant prosthetic thing. And then it's like after Creep Show, they just kind of jam the last like shit forty years of his career into the last like twenty minutes of this kind of rapid mixed with the last however many years of his personal life, and they're all at the same time. I don't know it. If you really like Tom Sweeney, and if you listen to the show, there's a good chance that you do. It, it might be worth giving it a try. I'm not gonna say it's bad, but it's also not gonna it's not gonna win it any awards for like documentary of the year or anything like that from 2016 or whenever it came out so (laughs) they're gonna retro reward it retrofit it yeah an award but yeah past that i mean it's just been kind of typical around the house like working shit week nothing too crazy but what can you say it is however miller time so this week we are talking about a movie called night of the creeps i really like sometimes you really get like a really good synopsis because you can tell it's written by a person as opposed to someone who's actually like well i guess any synopsis would be written by a person but written by some person who doesn't write very often the synopsis on this movie on imdb right now is two sentences one's kind of a run-on sentence alien brain-eating parasites entering humans through the mouth turn their host into killing zombie not zombies zombie <laughs> some teenagers start to fight against them that's almost like a haiku you
0: could probably split that up into some, a really nice haiku if you just edited it a few words here and there
1: aren't these college kids shouldn't they be well i guess maybe they're teenagers but i got the impression they were a little older than that
0: i would probably say late teen i mean jason Li- jason lively is that his name Yeah. yeah i mean jason lively looks he just looks young i mean at this this point in his career
1: Yeah, he does. Actually, there's a a good chunk of this movie where I got some major weird science vibes watching it this time. Like, it's kind of a mix up with like there's points where it feels like a mashup of Animal House, weird science and like a goofy zombie movie for me.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that, because when I was thinking about this movie, I've seen this a few times. And when I watched it this time, it really struck me that they have like two very distinct parts of the movie I mean there's different storylines but it feels like different storylines for different characters but it feels like the movie is like there's this teen or young adult college kind of movie and then we have the zombie movie and the alien movie it's it's and it's really weird there's a really clear
1: delineation from when it goes from one to the other see and I almost feel like because of the little 50s montage in there in the middle It goes from, like, alien movie to, like, weird 50s monster movie right into, like, exactly what the rest of the like, 80s creature feature. Do you want to give a better synopsis of this other than bad pluralization and, like, detail so we can kind of kick off at a better starting point? Generally,
0: when you say someone doesn't write very often, that means they don't write very well. That's what I pick up when you say something like that, when you said, you can tell this person didn't write very often. So the nutshell, the the elevator pitch of this movie, I don't even, I'm the worst person to give an elevator pitch because I've already spent 30 seconds leading up to my pitch for an elevator pitch. But the movie is about, it starts in 1959, there's teenage, well, teen, college kids, they're hooking up and a meteorite comes crashing down or something from the sky from space. The the man of the man-girl, oh, Jesus Christ, the, bo- the 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 guy, geez, man, the guy of the guy-girl <laughs> relationship goes, he's like, he's man-girl, the funnier. man-girl the relationship guy, he's hell-bent <laughs> on going to check out this meteor or whatever fell from the sky. He goes, he finds, he s- sees this little slimy thing, it pops out and it goes in his mouth. We go fast forward to the present day, 1988, 1989, what year is this from? Is it
1: ninety? 88 you're missing a big plot point there but i don't know if you did it on purpose oh of the
0: the, the police the guy
1: the uh the the, the hero the yeah the hero of the story
0: yeah i'll, I'll come back to that so right. fast forward to 1989 80 what god damn it what year 86 it's 86 why the hell don't they just do fit 40 years later all right eh. let me let me get back to that fast forward we're testing your math yeah oh shit bad bad idea Fast forward to 1980. Geez, I almost said 1989 again. 1986. And we got the two college dorks. They're trying to find, I don't know, trying to get laid. Basically, it's like a little bit of a horny teenager kind of situation. And dorks <laughs> want to try and get in this fraternity because that, that's how they're going to get this girl. That Jason Lively, the the lead character Chris. in this movie, Chris. Yep, yeah. Chris is interested in this girl. She's a sorority chick. He figures the only way he'd have a chance is if he joins his fraternity. He he goes to the fraternity head and says, hey, we want to rush. What do we have to do to get into the fraternity? Vinton from Mama's Family says, actually not Vinton, Bubba from Mama's Family says, you got to go to the morgue on campus, what, okay, and go get a body and go dump it on this, this rival fraternity's front door and you'll be in. And, and they're just totally... Pulling their chain, they just want them to do something. They're not going to let them in. I mean, it's kind of obvious. So they go to the lab. They they go to the morgue. They find a laboratory. They find this frozen body, which is the guy from 1959. They let him out, unknowingly release this alien slug race thing upon the universe. There's like a little interstitial at the very beginning that tells you that how this thing came crashing down to Earth. We won't get into that. That sets off basically a zombie invasion. Twist, the guy, the cop that helps them out was back in 1959. His girlfriend was was murdered by some escape axe murder. I've convoluted this entire story. So you asking me to to better synopsize, synoptize this movie? I did a shit job, but that's what the movie's about. The rest of the movie is fighting alien slugs that are not quite a hive mind, but they. They in, infest. I don't know. They they turn people into zombies by the slugs jumping in your mouth, and they control. They lay eggs in your brain, and they control. The, they can control you until your head explodes, and more slugs come out. I think you actually did a
1: pretty good job of
0: summarizing that.
1: It's, so, it's really it's hard to
0: up. oh <laughs> it's yeah? hard to um it's hard to really sum it up because there's just so much stuff. There's so many different what? ideas, and when you actually talk about it, it's a lot more confusing to try and relay everything than just to watch it because it's fairly, it feels like it's fairly straightforward. I mean, they do jump around a little bit in time between that 86 and that 59 period, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard to put into words to sum up like that.
1: It's an interesting movie because like you, I've seen this movie several times also, and I watched it a couple of times this week. And there was one point when I, I think the first time I watched it this week, I was like, what the fuck happened in this movie again? Like, because there's so much coming at you from so many different angles and it's, it is a movie that is kind of all over the place and it opens up several different storylines and it actually manages to tie up the majority of them by the end of the movie. But while they're going through this roller coaster of plot A, plot B, plot C points, they're also sprinkling in a ton of fan service like a disney plus level amount of plant fan service by you got characters in this movie named we mentioned the cop that comes back he's played by tom atkins he's named ray cameron after james cameron there's cops in the movie named detective landis and detective Rainey. there's another uh person named Ramiro in this like there's a handful of I think the the love interest her last name's Carpenter or something like that. Or no, it's not Carpenter. Cronenberg, yes, yeah. her last Cronenberg. name. Yep. There is a Carpenter in here somewhere, though. There's a whole bunch of different horror movie directors that all get like heavily name dropped, kind of sprinkled throughout the. I guess it'd be the second act. It's like right after 1959 when they're kind of introducing who's going to carry the rest of this movie. What do you? Let me ask you a question about that. What did you
0: think about when you? realize that all these people have these names
1: i think the first one they drop is the cronenberg name
0: yeah Yeah, not a common name
1: yeah i heard it i was like huh and i didn't really give it a second thought but then i started hearing the other ones i'm like so they just went in my thought was just so they just went and grabbed a bunch of director names and just named characters after them okay that's fine i don't i wouldn't say like it was something that necessarily excited me or like was it's one of those things that's kind of cool cuz as a guy who likes all that stuff like oh haha I know that reference and all that but at the same time if she had just been Betty Joe Bob whatever as opposed to Betty Joe Cronenberg Betty Joe Bob, Bob that too I just
0: I don't know I found it to be like you said it it's cool to be in on the joke but it's also I just found it kind of hokey like we should mention this is written and directed by Fred Decker who did monster squad which we talked about i don't know about a month and a half two months ago at this point so he's this is his first movie he directed right
1: this is it yeah he did this right before monster squad even though there is a little easter egg in the movie where there's some graffiti on the wall that says go monster squad which i thought was kind of fun i don't know if you caught that i don't know if i did
0: but my point in that is just kind of like i don't know it feels like he's he feels like he's getting away with something. I, I don't know. It just feels because I don't know. There's just something that, that in my inner like radar says that
1: just seems really hokey. <laughs> like did, it was it necessary. But this being his first movie. And I, I, I remember saying this to you at some point this week, saying that it's a damn shame that Fred Decker didn't make more movies in the genre. Mm-hmm. He's got a handful of different credits kind of for a whole bunch of different things through multiple genres, but between this and what we got with monster squad and granted neither of these movies were commercially successful for seems like they just never knew how to market his movies but when i was watching one of the times when i was watching this like if you watch even the opening credits where you're seeing the famous monsters font for all the names and everything after the the title screen it almost felt like he had this like thought of i might not get to make another movie like this so i'm gonna cram as many references in as i can in one movie and he just kind of went for it because again there's so many things like from all the way at the beginning of this movie right through the end that it's just like man that's a lot like blah 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 whatever it is that he's referencing yeah okay you've won me over one of the other things that's kind of interesting about this movie once we get into the 80s and out of the 50s is the color palette that's chosen for this movie. Like, from a cinematic standpoint, it is a very, very bright movie for a zombie movie. Like, the colors are very vibrant. There's a lot of neon rooms. There's a lot of, like, pinks and purples and stuff that really dominate the screen. Even the uh, blood shots, and there's some pretty intense blood, like, blood and gore shots in it. It's a very, like, paint, cherry red type blood that you see most often, at least until the very end when they start blowing heads up how do you, I? i don't know i had mixed feelings about that like on the one hand it felt kind of almost like burtony as far as the color palette with it like hmm. it's just almost too saturated but it also kind of worked
0: yeah i think uh, thinking about the time frame it, it seems really kind of perfect It like encapsulates it and really gives you those vibes that this is an 80s movie
1: do you think this movie leans more comedy or do you think it leans more horror or is it just kind of walk that horror comedy line really well it's a good question i'm not quite
0: sure i it's hard to really pigeonhole it into either one i think it does a good job of mixing it pretty good mm-hmm. i think the, the moments of i think monster squad did a better job of that kind of Well monster squad feel. had
1: a different target
0: audience true too, but i feel like this was They had, it it got kind of serious horror, but there's just these little one-liners that pop up or there's things that happen just little, like when his friend JC, when, when Chris's friend JC is on the toilet and he's using the bathroom and he's got to reach for like the matches because he sees a slug go across the floor. This, at this point, they don't know what's going on in the movie. Like they don't know what, not the movie, but they don't know what's going on outside. They don't really, nobody knows that these slugs are like the thing that. They don't know what zombies are, number one.
1: It's the discovery phase of the movie. They're yeah. telling you how they... Yeah,
0: And he's trying to light this match and all this stuff. He's reaching for it and the little slug goes by. and It's just... There are these little comedy elements, but I feel like it plays really hard on that comedy edge at the beginning, on that kind of college romp kind of part of the movie. And then when yeah. it gets into the horror, they start to rely less on comedy, but more on the one-liners from tom atkinson specifically i mean he does this is my favorite movie of his that he's been in atkins tom atkins
1: i would agree with that and that says a lot because we both expressed our love for howl 3 before which yeah. he's also yeah and but he's gone as far to say that this is his favorite movie that he's done but it's kind of funny because once his character gets reintroduced it's almost like they flip a switch and it goes from a comedy horror to like an action horror. Yes. And Tom Atkins shows up to action movie. The shit out of these zombies yeah. <laughs> is basically what happens. He's here
0: to play Pooh Patrol with his with your nightstick. Yeah.
1: So that was one of the other things I want to say is some of the one liners, especially that they give Tom Atkins through this movie are on par with the best that you're going to get from Arnold. He's got his catchphrase of throw me, which is said i don't know how many times in this movie but anytime that he's interrogating like a room full of cops it's just writing like rob zombie needs to take writing lessons from frank decker because this is how you write cheesy dialogue and make it work in a movie those are some of the more entertaining scenes
0: because they're just they're not even the cops up to a point aren't really taking it seriously the 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 coroner specifically is like yeah you know he's Oh, he should have should have seen whoever before. Just he just tosses out I don't I can't remember a specific line that he says, but he brings a lot of kind of comedic elements to these really serious scenes where people have been murdered and they're going to investigate homicides and and the coroner's just he's always eating something or he's drinking something or I, laughing I was, about I'd something. I love that.
1: That's a very eighties movie trope though, and one you could compare this movie to would probably be Return of the Living Dead, just because it's got that horror zombie yeah. comedy element. Yeah. And it's another one where you have a guy who's either mortician or works with dead bodies, and they're just shoving a sandwich down their face while they're moving a corpse around. No big deal. What was I going to say? Tom Atkins action movie. I, I do like watching Tom Atkins interrogate them about the body that disappeared from a crime scene. And no one other than Tom Atkins seems to think that this is a big deal. Yeah, just like, happens no, all the time. it happens, you know. <laughs> I do like the uh, in that. I think that's the same scene where you see the dude who's like half dissected walk up the hallway, isn't it? Oh, it's I right can't, around. There. Yeah, I can't remember. It's this. I,
0: I saw this movie. I've seen this movie a few times. Then I I watched this, I think, on Tuesday. And I almost feel this time watching it. I just kind of felt like I wasn't really feeling it this time. Like I've seen this. Like I said, seen this movie a couple times. I've really enjoyed it. And then this time, for some reason, it well, I didn't I didn't dislike it by any means. I just felt like it was one of those scenarios watching it this time where I was, it was a watch checking scenario. Like how much is left of this? Okay. How far are we? This plot point hits here. Just to kind of jump ahead a little bit, when we get to where everything comes to a head, where the the slugs are really multiplying rapidly, they're taking people over, that whole like scenario is maybe 20 minutes from when everything, the shit really hits the fan. Yeah. Until if that until the real, you know, action pieces of the movie with the flamethrower, with Miller time, Mm -hmm. it's Miller time, all that kind of stuff. The busload of the frat guys. Hey, your dates are here. The problem is they're all dead or whatever he says. It it just happens really quick.
1: It does. And that's the thing that's kind of interesting about this is, yeah, once this movie gets to the third act, it's like it downshifts right into third gear and it's just it takes off to the races again. That's where it kind of leads to that is this a comedy movie is this an action movie is this a horror? like what what kind of movie am i watching here and i mean it all works it does play together pretty well but there are points where if you're watching this knowing what's coming with it it can kind of play off a little repetitive at times and you, i did kind of find myself being like okay let's get to the point where tom atkins starts being kicking ass and taking names yeah i don't really care about these guys having girl problems
0: Right, yeah, it's it's kind of all the melodrama behind Chris and with Brad, and with Cynthia. That whole lo- not really even a love triangle because Cynthia's not interested in whatever. To get into the weeds, he, she's not interested. She's interested in Chris. We have the JC factor. I felt like when JC kind of wrote his note, he was he he had known he was infected. He knew how he got infected. He was able to like record. A message telling Chris, basically unlocking the puzzle of how, why all this is happening. I fu- I did actually, while melodramatic, I did find it a little bit touching that he would leave this message for him with a note, like making sure that he would, he would listen to the message. But I thought it was kind of weird that Chris just kind of abandoned, abandons him at the time to take Cynthia home goes back to the dorm and doesn't even think like, oh, he was just going to go to the bathroom. Why isn't he back? And doesn't even think about it till the next day.
1: Well, Chris is kind of a prick up to this point in the movie, too, yeah. like in a lot of ways. True. But I actually really like that scene with the tape recorder just because it's it kind of serves two purposes. On the one hand, it gives, well, three purposes even. It gives JC's character a lot of definition even though his character is all but done at this point of the movie it really makes him like a quiet hero of the movie which is cool it really kind of like speeds the shit along that you are losing interest in in the movie at that point and gets you to what you want to see so that's nice and i can't think of another movie at least not off the top of my head where they deliver oh this is what the problem is and this is how you deal with it to the characters in that way and it's a way that really kind of makes sense like any real zombie movie they all know like oh you got bit or whatever in in this case you got a slug in your ass or mouth or whatever yeah. you know how you get to that point but like to get that whole dialogue of like oh you're 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 dead but you're still you can't feel your brain i don't have a pulse i don't have a heartbeat and it's creepy and it's kind of well Like, it's creepy, but also not scary at the same time. But it works really good to kind of put a bow on the like, okay, we're moving this movie on to what you came to see at this point. Between that tape recorder scene and when
0: Chris goes down to find JC, it really underlines the selflessness of that character. He defends Chris. He tries to get him hooked up with Cynthia at the beginning. There's not a whole lot of character development in this movie. There's not a lot of time for it. For some of the characters, because it just—it's only an hour and a half, and they—they got to get with like, okay, the alien thing. I think you don't even get to eighty-nine, or I'm sorry, eighty-six. I did it again. You don't even get to eighty-six for like—I want to say like fifteen minutes—and they don't have a lot of time. But they work in. I think JC is one of the better fleshed-out characters because they show him, like I said, making those sacrifices, being selfless. He's carrying the tape recorder. I don't know if he carries a tape recorder and records what anybody says it's not like the home alone 2 talk boy or anything but he, he they do show him with the tape recorder and then they pl- they pay it off later with like we said with him explaining hey i'm giving you the key to how you're going to unlock this this problem with these zombie characters so it, i i just i really like his character it sucks that he kind of disappears for obvious reasons about probably halfway into the movie but I don't really know what else he would be, would have been able to do.
1: We should mention too, and this kind of speaks to the strength of the character and really the strength of the writing of this story. This is also a character that goes through this whole movie on crutches. So you have a character in a zombie movie that goes through the whole movie on crutches, and yeah, he ends up getting got. But they never make a point of. I mean, they they make a point of having the asshole of the movie be an asshole to him because of it. But they never make his crutches the focal point of the movie in a way that it makes him feel like he's less of a person. Where if, if you can take a lot of movies. I mean, the one that comes to my mind like right away is Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the guy in the the wheelchair, and they basically make him a kind of an anchor. Oh yeah, I was gonna say anchor before you said that. He's a total just downer. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a downer. But he's also a quick off because what's he gonna, gonna like do he's gonna run away right they don't really do that with jc in this movie though. like he's yes he does kind of get when he gets are we using the term infected for this or i, I don't know what slug turn or whatever he
0: turns i don't know
1: yeah it's not like it's a result of his handicap that causes what happens to him to happen
0: right he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time
1: right i i, I heard a interview or heard something secondhand with it when when we were Getting ready for this movie, where they said they actually brought up him having crutches. They're like, We just wanted to make a character that was different, but we didn't feel like it was something that needed to be pointed out because you don't really point people out like that. That's not how the world works unless you're an asshole. <laughs> and the only person that does it is the asshole in the movie. So, <laughs> right. Let me reiterate Bubba from Mama's Family. Yeah. But I mean, it, it works. It's kind of a cool thing to see. And it's one of those things that you, for all the things we like about 80s movies, seeing inclusion isn't always one of those things, so it's kind of nice to see it played off well. Well, think about the inverse
0: when we talked about the other Frank Decker movie, Monster Squad, and the language that they use to single true. out people. It's, it's really weird. It's like night and day, different. And maybe it's, oh, college kids are a little bit more refined, and they're a little bit more evolved, a little bit more mature. I mean, yeah. maybe you could go down that route, but I, I wouldn't say that's probably very accurate. And then we have kids as the other audience or the other people saying the line. So maybe it's kids are kids will be kids. They don't have a filter. Maybe you could go
1: down that that route. It's interesting, too, now that you said that, because, again, Monster Squad is a year, maybe two years after this. So if anything, it should have gotten more progressive, you would think. But I guess that's not how it works in Frank Deckerverse. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was the year after eighty six and eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, super close. Yeah. Like I said, when JC gets gets his, there's that's where you see it in, on the wall. They actually have Go Monster Squad written oh, on the wall. So okay. you would assume he's either in the progress pro progress in the process of writing Monster Squad or some it's got to be an idea at that point. Oh so, yeah.
0: If it's if the goes if it's actually released the next year it must be the script's been picked up, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. I think in that bathroom scene, it would have been a lot freakier, a little scarier, and maybe not necessarily the way that they wanted to portray it. But if the slug, instead of going in his mouth, would have went up his ass since he is sitting on the toilet.
1: I kind of got the impression that's what they were going at, because they show go up his pants. Yeah. Yeah. They show one go up his pants. I kind of read between the lines with it, but I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do. But that's also the only place where they really do it.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, they show, I think they cut before it jumps, his mouth is open, he's on the ground, he's like gasping, and the camera angle jumps towards him, so I don't think we can, we can definitely, like, concretely say that, if that's even how you use that word, but we can say that it went up his ass, but I just think it would be, personally, a little bit more terrifying if the slug were to go up his butt. You're just
1: excited to watch Slither again, aren't you?
0: Yeah, that's, let's, let's, can we kind of hit on Slither a little bit? Yeah. So Slither is a movie that uses this whole kind of slug analogy or not analogy, but device as well. Slugs from outer space come and and we'll talk. I think we'll probably talk about Slither pretty soon. But I I really I like Slither a lot. That's one of my favorite horror movies. And I think that. It's definitely one of the better James Gunn movies. Eh, Sorry, Guardians. I mean, but he's
1: got a few. He's got a few pretty decent movies under his belt. I completely, we've had this conversation before, and I completely agree with you, but I would say Slither is one of the better of his catalog. I
0: think that Slither kind of, it's a bit of a, well, it's not a sequel by any means. I feel like it's a little bit of a spiritual successor. It carries along a lot of the ideas. I think it, Slither almost, it goes that horror comedy route as well. I think Slither might execute the whole thing a little bit better. I think this is like the I don't know, prototype kind of idea and then James Gunn takes the idea or a lot of elements from the idea at least and makes it he he refines the process and he puts out the the final release, right? Not he's not releasing the prototype, but he's releasing the go to market.
1: I would agree with that. So anyway, Swither,
0: you were saying. That was all I had to say
1: about it. Did I have a point? Was I did I make it sound like I had a point? I didn't. I thought you had I thought I interrupted you. I thought you had more to say. Oh so, no. No. So another really weird scene in this movie that's kind of right around the time where we're switching gears and going into the third act. How do you feel about the scene with the uh I think they call her the house mother in the movie where they have the I guess he's the axe murderer zombie or whatever the the dude that Tom Atkins originally killed when he starts busting through the floor? For me, that is a really weird fucking scene to watch because okay, granted they tell you around this time in the movie where the axe murderer guy is buried, and then you find out why he's popping up where he's popping up. But the character in the movie, the, the house mother or whatever, doesn't know this, and she's just sitting there watching TV with her dog, and she looks over in the corner, and you hear a presumably a man with an axe, like a fire axe, trying to bang a hole in the floor. She just looks over like, that was weird, (laughs) goes back to watching TV, and then he does it again. And you see like part of the axe come through and she still just sits there the whole time as he chops his way up. I'm not quite sure how he gets from the bottom floor to the second floor because there's not a staircase there. So I guess he climbs up, but how does he get?
0: How does he do the slugs bury like burrow underground to activate him? Why does he come up? It's not like every know. dead person is. They don't show a scene where the the slugs are like digging in the ground or
1: burrowing into the they ground. Apply do they it at the end because there's like the three of them that come out of okay. Atkins yep. that go into the cemetery. But I, that was going to be another thing I was going to say. So do these. Just take over like a live host, or can they just reanimate anything that ha- a body like it, it's never really explained? Yeah,
0: if the purpose is to lay eggs in a brain, you would think a guy that's been buried for like not in a casket, not sealed, a guy that's been buried in the ground for 30 plus years well, not even t- my math is shit 28 years, whatever it is, 27, whatever. Let's for years, not going ha- his brain's
1: gonna be gone. There's nothing to right. lay eggs in yeah and and again if someone is chopping through my floor and i'm sitting in the living room just watching tv at minimum i'm getting up and saying like what the fuck was that Hmm.
0: not gonna put your head on the on the floor to put your ear to what's going on there
1: i mean again maybe you go the shotgun or whatever you have happen to have in your house but especially once you see a fire axe coming through the floor yeah but yeah she just sits there and watches and this is right around the time. Actually, this is the second pet that becomes zombified, yes. which is also bizarre. Does the cat actually shoot any slugs out? I don't remember the cat doing that.
0: No, I think. oh shit. I think when they, you initially see the cat, it's just got the worm crawling out of its eye. And I don't think that it it infects the, the girl at that time. She, One of the sorority girls has her pet cat, who it's been established that the cat's an outside cat or indoor-outdoor cat or whatever whatever the term for that is. And it's a cat. Yeah. It's infected and it jumps in her arms. And I think she kind of like throws it or something. And then I, when Chris and Cynthia are outside and they're with the flamethrower, they're, they're encountering the zombies. I think the cat is there then I think, but I'm not sure. Might be. I want to just go back to the mother, the, the house mother thing for a second. Oh yeah. Yeah. When they show that she's watching a movie on TV and I, I don't, know what movie that is
1: plan nine from outer space oh is it okay
0: i was Mm -hmm. i thought it would have been really cool because the woman's older and it's black and white footage i thought for a second that maybe the 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 house mother was the woman on the tv i thought that would have been a cool callback but i was i looked her up she didn't have any other credits
1: oh yeah i wasn't familiar with her but i i was that was one of the things that i noticed i'm sure i noticed it before because i kind of have a soft spot for plan nine because it's such a bizarre stupid great movie A reputation. Oh yeah, I wasn't voted like the worst movie ever made like several times. and they did a Seinfeld episode referencing it. So they never watched Black Devil Doll from Hell.
0: That's all I have to say. That clip (laughs) or Evil Times Five or whatever it is that
1: keep trying to get me to watch Devil Devil Times Five. We're going to watch Devil Times Five. We'll do a live stream of it. It's on YouTube. We could probably get a. We should do that. that. So we should do that. Absolutely agree. Anyway, this is not a Devil Times Five podcast yet. (laughs) <laughs> we're renaming the podcast devil times five i wouldn't be opposed to that you have to order new stickers then that no one won mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah the house mother is bizarre that whole scene is bizarre this is that's actually where we get to the point where they uh another mortician that's pulling snacks off of a dead body because they start wheeling her out and Actually, has a pretty funny line. If we had a, I think he said something along the lines of we had to have a different stretcher for, for every piece of where we need more stretches yeah. or something like, something that. like that. yeah. <laughs> and this is where Tom Atkins kind of started. It, has he already gone to see our good friend Dick Miller at this point? Or is this right before that?
0: I think it's right before. Yeah, because he goes to the armory, the police armory. Yep. He recruits Spanky. AKA Chris.
1: Well, before that he has to go chase down the uh, axe murderer again and he somehow manages to straight up you don't see him climb this fence. You like this is a fence is probably about 5 feet tall in the back of an alley as you see him. There's a lot of really good like running shots in this like it's very low budget running like chase scenes where it's clear they just had they told the actors to run and they just had the camera run man run right beside him because the camera's bouncing the whole time as they go up an alley or go up the street or whatever. But when they get to the end of this chase where they have zombie axe dude who looks suspiciously like Eddie from the Iron Maiden covers, <laughs> and when they get to the end of the alley, there's like a five-foot-tall chain-link fence there and Atkins straight up just leaps over it like it's nothing like he doesn't put his hand on the fence he doesn't put it like climbing or anything like that he's just shotgun in hand up and over and then proceeds to have this weird like shootout with a with eddie from iron maiden this is where the movie starts to kind of wrap and this is where we get to the wrap fire part of the movie like i said, we get Atkins going to visit Dick Miller. We haven't talked about Dick Miller in a while, like since our first episode, have we? No, I was. Yeah, I wrote
0: wrote a note about Dick Miller. The last time we talked about him was Chopping Mall. He's the janitor in Chopping
1: Mall. Yep. And he's in, like you said, tons of million stuff. things. Yeah, and he's just as great in this as he is in anything else.
0: Yeah, he he that guy was he was like fifty when this movie was made. He died. He was like in his nineties.
1: Is he? I, I didn't think he was dead. Is he dead? That's disappointing. He's I'm not dead yet. I think he is dead though. Yeah, he's undead. So <laughs> After we we go visit Dick Miller and basically hold him up in the armory of the this police station that happens to have a flamethrower, which I also always found it funny that he that's the only thing that he takes is the flamethrower. He doesn't take any other ammunition, guns, anything. Just give me the flamethrower and I'll be on my way.
0: Hey, they know that the, the just like the uh, blob previously was averse to cold. The slugs don't like fire. That's that's the one way to well, kind of take them out. They do so, know that yep. at this point,
1: thanks to JC, and they do, they do have kind of match one of the posters. So I guess they need the flamethrower. Yeah. How do we get back to the sorority house? What's going on there at this point? That's right. This is where the the letter comes. Wow, we really jumped all over the fucking place yeah. in this movie, didn't we?
0: Yeah. Well, they go to, back to the sorority house to to rescue the girls, right? Because they Cynthia specifically, but that's, that's when right.
1: Because this is where the the bus crashes with the guys whose eyes explode for no, apparent yeah, that's, reason.
0: that was, I had to go back and watch that a couple times. Cause it, I don't know if they explode, but it's like, I, they do this effect where they the guys, out or yeah, they, they like bug out to like, I don't know, transition to a bright scene or something. It's, it's, it's really, it's like reminiscent of large Marge from Peewee, Peewee's big adventure. It made
1: me think of, um, who framed Roger Rabbit yeah. for some reason. Yep. It's a really weird little scene. It really doesn't serve a huge purpose other than taking a already infected group of of sorority fraternity guys that we already know we don't like, and just kind of expediting their crossover to being dead assholes as opposed to live assholes. Right? Let's blow this pop Um, stand. We're gonna get done, dudes. Exactly. (laughs) That's the motto for this show as much as it is for this point in the movie. So basically, what? Yeah, they crash a bus and then. All of a sudden we have creeps and it's a race between Tom Atkins and basically this movie wraps with a race between a bus full of dead idiots and Tom Atkins and Chris going to save the day with with the sorority. Why this sorority is the focal point. There's there is a reason later that we find out, but it's kind of funny that the rest of the town, they're just like, "eh, we're going to go save the girls thoughts on the final act and Tom Atkins going into full action movie mode. I, it's one of my favorite kind of one-liners. The Miller
0: time. It's Miller time. That whole scene is one of my favorite things in horror, horror comedies, everything. I wanted to also kind of mention that I didn't look it up, but I feel like this movie may have had a lot of product placement from Miller, because that's kind of a ran- oh, really yeah. random thing. And the party yeah. at the beginning of the movie is all Miller stuff. They have Miller-like cups. There's They're drinking Miller Light. There's Miller signs everywhere. It's just a
1: really... This is this is also the era of beer brand beer yeah. being in like movies all over the place or like something that looks like Budweiser, but says like beer Weiser or something like yeah. that.
0: And I think it's really I think the thing that I like about it the most, the Miller time comment or the quote or the one liner is it just comes out of nowhere. Like, why? Why does he say <laughs> why does he say this other than he's a Miller fan? That's where he he, he blows a, a zombie's head open and Burns it with hairspray and his his lit cigarette, the cherry from his cigarette.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we will probably clip that that line in into this episode, possibly several times because it's it's worthy of it. But if you're unfamiliar with this scene, today is August 26. I posted the scene earlier today at about five o'clock on all our social sites, unless one of them decides that it is inappropriate because someone gets shot in the head in the scene. And takes it down. You can always go back and watch it there.
0: We'll put that YouTube clip in the show notes, so if you want to see it for yourself and you haven't seen
1: Night of the Creeps for a while, you can, or if you just want to queue it up and watch it again because it's such a great one-liner. But you're absolutely right. It's the one of those lines that's so random and so off the wall. It's delivered so well, and it's it's on par with any Schwarzenegger one-liner, any Salone one-liner. It is. It's a one-liner to end all one-liners. It's absolutely flawless. It's arguably the best part of the whole fucking movie
0: worth watching the movie just to see this clip that we'll put in the show notes on, on YouTube that you can watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would still go for that part to say that I kind of agree with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, you want to get to hot dogs here? I feel like we're, do we kinda, got
1: anything else we want to add on this? No, or I feel like we're kind of getting
0: to get to the, we're like, a, I don't know. I'm, I've been recording for an hour that so we're kind of getting to the, where we probably need okay. to wrap. So I don't know if you want to, throw it to me or
1: okay how many uh so I mean there's not a whole lot to kind of tack on to this at this point let's kind of wrap on this Sean where do you put this on the hot dog scale
0: well I just want to say I feel like this episode has been kind of all over the place it feels like that Chris Farley Saturday Night Live skit where he interviews Paul uh, Jesus Paul McCartney remember that time that's kind of how I feel on this but I feel with watching it this time like I said earlier watching the movie this time around I just a little bit of the bloom fell off the rose for me i think it it was just kind of in in the past i've i mean i really enjoy this movie but for something this time watching it like i said gave me a couple of those kind of look at my watch moments and and you summing up the whole miller time thing saying this might be the reason to watch this movie at this point i kind of have to agree with you i think for hot dogs for me i want i don't want to give it this is a good movie and i feel like if this is something where you haven't Especially if you haven't seen it. And if you haven't seen Slither. I think Slither, like I said earlier, does it better. I think it's the better movie between the two. It's hard not to compare them because the themes are so similar. But for me, I'd want to give this like... I feel bad about saying this. But I'd want to give it six and a half hot dogs. Out of 11 slug-infesting brains. Or I don't know. Slug-laying... Egg-laying slugs, I guess. I, 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 I do... In the past, I have really enjoyed this movie. But just something this time around. Just kind of knock some of the shine off of it for me
1: that's fair i i look this is one of the few movies i actually had rated read, uh, already on imdb and i actually kind of agree with where i put it there for me i'd say this is a solid seven hot dogs out of 10 miller lights and this movie's fun it's quotable it's watchable it is very much so a period time piece and i don't just mean that because it takes different periods and shows them in the movie but it feels like much like we said about monster squad it feels like a movie from the 80s and that can be a very good thing i do like frank decker's stuff quite a bit i i like i had said i really wish he would have done more horror genre type movies as opposed to going on and just kind of writing stuff like the whichever the predator ones that came out in 2018 that was really bad stuff like that yeah this movie does get a lot right. It does have a lot of really good characters in it. They're really well-developed. Again, I love Tom Atkins in this movie, as we mentioned. But the more, especially watching it a couple times this week, I find myself just kind of like, I want to watch the last, like, act, and I'm kind of good yeah. on the rest.
0: Yeah, I do want to say that so. I feel like they do, again, trying to summarize the movie earlier, it does a good job of pulling all those storylines together, but... It's it's a lot of stuff when you try to relay what this movie is actually about, but it, it it becomes very difficult to verbalize all the different things without confusing the person that you just have to watch it. It's it's hard to kind of tell somebody what this is about.
1: Well, it is very much so a movie that is all over the place, too, much like this episode. And it's one of those storylines. This might be why it was marketed poorly, because how do you explain what the fuck is going on in this movie, which that can be a good thing. There's some movies like that where they can be claimed. Like if you talk I think we talked about it before, but if you bring up a movie like Inception, you're just talk what's the story of Inception? It's a dream within a dream where you go and have fights in a dream. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> but that was a yeah, I don't remember that got nominated for anything, but it was a critically acclaimed movie. I don't, this movie, I think it was received fairly well by critics at the time, but it's a hard movie to kind of pitch and a hard movie to kind of really just kind of narrow down to what the storyline is and try to keep it in line. And even as we demonstrated so flawlessly throughout this episode, <laughs> as you're going through and trying to talk about this movie, you're realizing, no, that actually came before this. That happened after you're, the timeline gets all screwed up like just by trying to remember everything that goes through in this movie and we've just
0: we just recently saw this
1: right that's not necessarily like a a death it or anything but it's not necessarily a huge vote of confidence either and again if if you were to say watch the 15 second clip of it's miller time and he shoots the one zombie in the head i mean i might have a good feel for what the what the high point of this of this movie is just from that
0: yeah and just to mention, this so. movie on IMDb gets a 6.7 out of 10. The Metascore, Metacritic score is
1: 62 out of 100. So that's kind of right in range for between where we sat. Good. Split the difference. Look at that. We can get something fucking right. As we talk about the 6,521st most popular movie on IMDb.
0: <laughs> it's falling <laughs> 1,594
1: spots. We're back into our comfort zone. Well, we talked about Prey a couple of weeks ago and it was number one. That was fucking weird. I don't know what we were thinking with that. Yeah. So a little out of a lot of character. Right.
0: You got anything else you want to tack on on this one? No, like I said, it's it I think that if you have not seen this movie, it's it's worth a watch, but I feel like if the concept if you kinda of feel like by the end they, they didn't pay you off by getting giving you a sequel, because the end does have kind of like sequel bait to it. That you could move on to Slither and, and probably see a little bit more of a concise story, a revision, let's say.
1: I would definitely recommend watching this before you see Slither if you haven't seen either. Just because it might be one of those movies that's kind of hard to go back to after watching the spiritual successor, I guess we could say, in it. I could easily see if I caught Slither first, which I didn't really have the option. Slither wasn't around till well after I saw this the first time i could see it kind of coming off like i don't want to say that it's just trying to be slither because obviously that doesn't work yeah but um i could see myself being like man slither did this a lot better and this is just kind of hope so i could also see someone that saw
0: night of the creeps first and they see slither and they think that slither's ripping it off too i could see both sides yeah
1: yeah absolutely and i could also see people saying that and not only saying it's ripping it off but they took the uh Well, so there's still got that comedy element to it, but it's definitely a whole different, like, it's James Gunn comedy as opposed to Frank Decker comedy, which, if you don't know the difference between the two, that's a whole different episode, but there is a difference between the two. (laughs) But I think that's about all we got on this one, so we're going to wrap it at this point. In the meantime, we would appreciate it if you followed us on all the social stuff. We are at the Monster. I will interact with you. Sean will not, but you can still follow us and I can get messages to him. Sean has socials and stuff to plug, too. So, Sean, do you want to go ahead and plug your stuff?
0: Sure. If you're interested in Michigan craft beer, you can find my reviews on such topics at youtube.drafttherapy.com. Like I said, I talked about Michigan beer. Taking a bit of a hiatus. But if you're looking for something that's latest on the market, chances are I probably covered the brewery or maybe even the beer. You can also find me on all the social media outlets at Draft Therapy.
1: He has not had a Miller Time episode on Draft Therapy. True. It's going to have to happen at some point. I love Miller
0: Lite. It's a shame I didn't do one. Was that what the pickle beer was or was that
1: PBR? I don't remember. I
0: know I did Dos It was all cheap shit, so it could have been.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Cheap stuff. Yeah. You know, you're putting a pick one it's you're going to ruin it no matter what it is. So. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Oh, anyway, we'll be back next week. You guys have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. You're right over there. <laughs> Went down the wrong pipe. No, I did that earlier. In- coworker thought I was dying. I'm like, no, I'm just a fucking moron who can't drink water.